Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Event Industry News podcast. I am Adam Parry, the editor of Event Industry News and your host today. Um, joining me today is Chloe Richardson, a fellow northerner, um, also from Sheffield. And Chloe is an exhibition sales specialist and founder at ACR Events. We actually work with um, Chloe on our event at Event Tech Live. Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for having me. No, it's good to have a, like I said, a fellow northerner on the, uh, on the podcast for a change. Um, Chloe, for, for those that are listening in, give them a brief overview of who you are, your history in the event space, and kind of what you do with ACR Events. Yeah, perfect. So I will try and be as quick as possible. I originally trained as a linguist and a translator. And about six years ago, I started doing that on site for a few exhibitors. And over time, that gradually just ended up that I became involved in the sales world. And I was head of business development at a company before. And a year ago, I decided to go out on my own and really focus on those exhibitions and trade shows and events that need the support, whether that's because they don't have enough hands on deck themselves or whether it's because they're totally revamping their sales strategy, but it's all about making sure they're getting the most out of their events, generally commercially speaking. And often this tends to revolve around the on-site rebook, but it's the pre-show, the post-show, it's a bit of sales coaching, a bit of rewriting uh, strategy. It can be anything really, but the main goal is to improve revenue, essentially. Yeah, and, and my experience has been very good of that. Um, you've helped us out tremendously because I think our own experience at Event Tech Live is we tended to try and manage everything ourselves. And we are a small team. And we found that um, more importantly, what was actually happening was a, probably a, a bit of a lack of customer service on site with, with people actually wanting to rebook or inquire about other sponsorship opportunities or location moves and things like that. And because as a small team, we were so stretched, mm -hmm. we were not being able to provide that support. Yeah. But also probably commercially missing out on opportunities, right? And that's something that you and your team have come in and, you know, ingrained yourself as part of our team, understood our strategy, und even understood our attitude and how we deal with people and that kind of stuff and very much kind of molded yourself as, as part of our team, right? Yeah, I think it's important to be an extension of the team. And whilst I'm working alongside any project, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a member of that team and I represent that company and you have to really be in the shoes of that organization when you're speaking with customers and that customer touch point that customer service that customer journey if you give your customers a great experience then the likelihood is actually getting them to commit to come back the following edition is so much easier so already you've kind of accelerated the sales pitch without even doing a sales pitch just because you've been there and been helpful and so i'm glad to hear that you've got some positive feedback that's always good news and hopefully once we do get back into the world of face-to-face -face events again, we'll be continually sort of hammering this idea that customer service is so important and your customers are central to your business. And it's important to not forget that and to give them those touch points that they really need to make them feel assured as well that you're invested in their business. And then yeah, hopefully rebookings will just naturally, naturally come in. I think that's very sage advice there. So anybody listening who has those worries, those troubles or those challenges themselves within their business, you know who to ring. Um, but Chloe, we're, we're kind of here to talk about how your business has changed because of the current pandemic. And hopefully we won't be too long before we kind of can stop saying that. Um, obviously, we being a, a business that is, is all about dealing with people there and then and face to face at exhibitions and events and, mm -hmm. you know, being that team extension. I would imagine if, I, if you don't mind me saying that, that overnight due to this 
current situation, the need for on-site rebook or your business kind of evaporated somewhat through no fault of your own, right? Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I had every single one of my contracts for 2020, for example, indefinitely postponed. So it's great news. I've not been cancelled, so that's a silver lining, but it's just a case of until we know what's going on, it's really hard to be able to say, okay, we're definitely going to have the show on this date and we're definitely going to need your support, of course. And I've sort of worked with all my customers in helping them with that transition, helping them with the communications to clients, that kind of thing. But yeah, you're completely right. I mean, the first week that all the sort of live events got cancelled, I was sat there and thinking, right, this is now a really scary time um, in that my business model, which is all about that human engagement and that interaction and that customer service. I guess the question is, how can you harness that on-site atmosphere and that on-site personal engagement and put it into some sort of digital model which is going to translate and so that's I spent the last few weeks really spending time working out how that can be done and if it can be done and if we can achieve some level of success with a digital interaction as we did with a face-to-face interaction and that's kind of yeah that's the last few weeks has really been about molding that and seeing if that can be something that could work. Yeah, no, I, I can absolutely see that. My my ears were pricked up when you posted on LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, saying that this had been something you're working on. And, you know, I'm in touch with lots and lots of organizers. There's lots and lots of information out there. As many people listening to this podcast will have already seen and heard of that people are looking at the way to pivot to digital in the short term, maybe as a long-term strategy, as, as part of our overall strategy going forward. But they are taking the time to kind of go, right, can we deliver something as engaging now as part of, you know, an event strategy and the way that we deliver events until we can come back to face to face. But while they are still doing that, there are obviously still revenue opportunities. There are sponsors, there are exhibitors in some cases with some of these events. And I'm sure they are also if they are very much used to having somebody like yourself on site working with them and their show teams to deliver that rebook and that customer facing engagement, like how does this sit online? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really good question. I think actually that some of the things that I've kind of looked into over the last few weeks have shown me the importance of communication, of course, but actually I think it's taught me quite a lot that everybody should apply to every single event they run after this is over and when there are still face-to-face events because there are so many ways that we can be there for our customers that this has really highlighted that maybe we weren't before and that's reaching out and having empathy that's really understanding what they need and the situation that they're finding themselves in for your customers you've had for years this is really the time to be there for them not to try and get any revenue out of them but to really understand their position and what their business is going through now I think key thing to remember is we all have to use some element of customer centricity they need to be at the heart of our business and there's no reason why if we put them at the heart of at the heart of our business we can't convert those sponsorships those delegates those speakers to come back again and again and it's the main question is how do we put the customer at the center of our digital events and how can we use that and give them the best experience possible so that they want to come back and work with us again. Now, whether that's in real life, face to face, or whether that's in the virtual world, actually, is there much difference? I think if you put your client at the heart of it, really the results should be positive either way. It's just we're used to communicating in a different way. And I suppose 
it's about how can you engage, particularly if we look at the on-site conversation, for example. We're so used to going up to somebody, shaking their hand, having a conversation. It's so much easier to have a great first impression when you're face-to-face -face with somebody, yep. you've got eye contact, you can maintain that sort of great level of personal interaction. When that's taken away, you can still communicate. You've just got to change the way you do it. So a lot more communication via email. You'll be reaching out to your clients via Zoom calls, via the phone. And it's how can you come across as approachable? How can, how can you come across as somebody who cares? And how can you be an event that they want to be involved with? Not just financially, but also as a business that they feel relates to them as an organization. Yeah. Um, so I've, the three main things that I've kind of written up as are the key three things that everyone needs to look after if they want to have a successful digital rebook is that I feel like the campaign is now longer. It's not just about the on-site process. It's about the pre-show and post-show more than it even ever was. And you know, I've always said they're always important. You've always got to communicate a few weeks in advance and you always need to maintain that momentum post-show. But actually now that we're in this digital world and it can be so quick, the events are over in a couple of hours, you really need to maximize on that pre-show and post-show. And the way you do that is one, communication. So important, like I've said, you set up from the very outset, you need to make sure that the sponsors understand what they're getting involved with and understand the scope of the opportunity. Yeah. And they also, the speakers need to understand the tech. They need to understand when they're gonna need to be ready, little things like that. And so I guess the best comparison for the on-site work really is having somebody who is that contact, who is that customer liaison, who is there to look after them through the duration of the event, whether it's a speaker or a sponsor, making sure they have everything they need, making sure they're getting absolute maximum possible success out of their contribution to the event. And with speakers, for example, it's being around on the phone, on a call, to be able to say, look, is your tech working? Are you making this work? And so it's all about understanding the software and getting really into that, getting really ingrained into that. And then you've got your post-show stuff, which is very much following up. How was it? What's your feedback? Would you like to come back and do another one with us? It'd be great to hear what you think. Maybe you could tweak slightly how that partnership's worked. Maybe they did a banner ad this time and you think mm -hmm. actually you'd be a great speaker this would really enhance your organization and really implant your brand within the minds of the hundreds of thousands of people who are going to be able to see this online that's not a bad thing i mean decision makers don't need to leave their house anymore to have this engagement with a brand yeah. so it's about maximizing that potential and it's about getting customer feedback and doing something with it so it's that post-show conversation of okay did you enjoy the event? What could we change? How could we make it better for you? And it's about actually using that because like I said, the customer really should be at the heart of what everyone's doing. And if that is the case, then you have to adapt to make sure the customer's getting their needs. Um, and I suppose that's where the consultative sales approach comes in. With, yep. and, and it's not just about new business development. When you have somebody who's locked into a sponsorship deal with you online, you still need to always be consulting them and finding out what you could do differently because you never know. There may be a huge opportunity. They may not only want to rebook their sponsorship banner ad. They also might want to do two sessions. Yeah. But if you don't yeah. ask them, you don't know that. Yeah. So that's why the thing for me is really, it's about communication. It's about support. It's about being there to be there, whether it's a tech support or whatever. They might even, some of them might be a bit nervous about doing a video presentation and so it's yeah. actually just talking it through with them and being a really positive brand ambassador for for your event organization and then the third thing is providing a solution and hopefully that's what we're doing anyway but we're providing a solution that's benefiting their key business objectives and it's about how you word that in a way that makes them see that actually if they didn't get involved again 
it would be a shame and they'd be missing out. So, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent. Oh, there's, there's, there's so much amazing information. I think um, we might have to kind of dig into those um, three areas a little bit more. But so what you're actually telling me, though, that this presents for you as a business an opportunity and, and also for, for organizers is in some ways a longer run up. You know, um, you could get involved with help with actually the attendees. Everybody knows that one of the most difficult things with paid for events is ticket conversion, right? Mm -hmm. Getting somebody there with a marketing message and getting somebody on that website and on that ticket page is one thing. But there's always, there's probably, you know, out, out of a dozen things, people kind of go, oh, well, I'm not quite sure. And they, and they just don't make that, that ticket patient. It just might be a question about the location of the event, the hotel, the facilities, the transport, the dates, you know, we yeah. kind of get the same, same questions over and over again at event for Event Tech Live. So your team could actually get involved at that point for an organizer as well and use tactics and, and information in that customer support sense to convert them and convert higher into, into paid attendees, right? Do you, yeah, do you, I mean, you yeah, no, I think so. And I think it's really the marketing teams and the sales teams should be all singing from the same hymn sheet, whether mm. it's delegate or exhibitor or sponsor marketing. And the, case, the, the main thing is we want the show, the online digital event to be a success. And in order for it to be a success, first of all, the people funding it, the sponsors, the exhibitors, the speakers, all have to have felt like... Mm their presence was rewarded and they've reached some sort of company KPI, whether that's lead generation, whether that's conversion or whether that's just brand awareness. And the, the way they're going to get that achieved objective is if the delegates are engaged or if the delegates are actually attending and getting involved with the sessions and really giving back and following up. And so actually I do, I kind of think it's all the same. It's all looped into the same cycle, isn't it? And absolutely, definitely pre-event, when you've got half your team on furlough and the other half of your team running around like crazy people, there are so many things that probably are getting neglected that people might need somebody just to sit there and just call people up. And if that's what it takes, then that's not a problem. But sometimes that might be all they need just have a chat. And is this event something you might want to be involved with? If it is great, if not, why not? And let's talk about that. Yeah. You shouldn't shy away from those conversations because actually it's only going to help us as event organizers to work out what is working, what isn't. So yeah, no, delegate marketing is definitely something that, that can be supported for sure. So, so let's, let's paint a picture for the people that are listening or watching. Um, how does this, how does this interaction between you mm -hmm. and the sponsor, the delegate, the attendee, how, is it going to be like that Amazon customer service chat where I go on and I have to select my product and then like work out kind of like what I want to talk to you about. And then somebody no, texts me back. Actually completely opposite really. Yeah. So in an ideal world, let's speak hypothetically, let's say, well, let's talk about event tech live as an example. Yeah. And let's pretend that you're doing a digital version of that next week. Um, I guess what you do is you would have a list of all of your exhibitors, all of your sponsors that are attending a bit of information about them, what the, the key decision maker's name is that kind of mm -hmm. thing and you would actually either introduce me in an email or with a few zoom calls and just be like this is chloe she's going to be looking after you during the event day and if you need anything at all she's here she's going to be supporting you she's here for tech questions da, 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 da. here is her direct number if you have any issues please call her and so you've already planted that seed of i'm here to help Mm -hmm. And already that's going to be so positively received a few weeks before, before the digital event itself. 
And then I would check in with them a couple of days before and just send them an email, say, how's it going? Do you need anything from me? Can I help you? And it's again, it's being that support mechanism that they might need that you guys might not have time to do at that point because you're thinking, oh my goodness, our, our event's in two days. We've got to set up this, do that. We can't find this. So we all know what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same as being on site. You're panicking, running around like a mad person. And so that responsibility of making sure your sponsors and speakers are okay you don't have to do that anymore because you've got somebody else doing it and you can rest assured knowing that's being done and that you can take it off your to-do list. And then it comes to, let's say it's a one day event um, with a few seminar sessions, a few breakout discussion groups, that kind of thing. And it would be a case of, I would be involved in that. I would be watching, I would be there. I would be again on the end of the phone if they need anything. And it's just them knowing that somebody is there. Now, if it's somebody who's sponsoring a web page, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for me to, contact them directly during the day and say are you happy with your placement da, 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 da. and a rebooking conversation might happen even then whilst the event's going on in that circumstance mm -hmm. however if it's a speaker this is probably something that's going to take part obviously after they've spoken which may mean the next day and it's a case of me reaching out saying did you enjoy it what did you get out of it what could be improved now on that on that conversation let's have a chat about you getting involved again and then it's really key as well that like we do when we rebook on site, we need to have some sort of incentive or some sort of advantage for them rebooking to come and do another digital event. Mm -hmm. And this could, this could again be similar to how we do it on site. It could be a case of they could have a, a price incentive. So we've frozen the price that you sponsor with us this time just for you if you want to do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. It could be we've temporarily reserved that particular banner ad for you if you want it. If you don't, we will release it and somebody else can have it. And it, again, it could be a case of well, you've got two week cooling off period to make sure you're really happy. But right now we think you'd be great there. And it's really important that you're consistent and that you stay at the forefront of the audience's mind by getting involved in lots of these events so that you seem credible and that your brand immediately comes to mind whenever they think of the industry. And it's about they will obviously also have that extended marketing time. So once somebody has committed to doing the next edition, you will promote their attend you will promote their attendance for the foreseeable so those are the four main things really those advanced that list of advantages that the sponsor or um, speaker really need to understand and as far as i'm concerned if they've been looked after from the start mm -hmm. if you explain that to them in a way that particularly mirrors their social style whether they're somebody who likes to talk statistics and facts or whether they're somebody who likes to tell a story if you make sure you're communicating it to the way that suits the customer then actually it's kind of a no brainer. Like, mm. why, why wouldn't they come back? It's just, and let's also be fair, we haven't got the money at the moment to be spending on 20 exhibitions a year because they're not happening. So where can our customers invest? And that's in the most investable platform at the moment, which would be digital events. Yep. So I guess it's just really about communicating that in a way that they can understand, but also pairing it with that customer service element that you'll have shown them from the outset. So they don't feel like you're just there to take your money to take their money and you're not you're there for you both to grow as a business and i think that's probably the, the key message i think that's really good i think that's really important to to get all of that information and, and all of that support and, mm -hmm. and and those opportunities solidified there and then just because it's a digital event and not meet a face-to-face -face event doesn't mean that you still can't have those conversations about that, that let's be honest that go down the route of let's say fear of missing out or added value or preferential pricing going forward and things like that like it's, it's so true people are 
seem to be so terrified of having that conversation in the digital world, like I'm sure they were 20 years ago mm. on site. But actually, it's just about changing the mindset and changing people's habits. And there's no reason why in a year we can't look back and say, isn't it mad that we didn't do any digital rebooking? Like, that seems crazy that we didn't do that. Why didn't we? Because logically, it makes sense. <laughs> and morally, it makes sense. And everybody can win from it. So it's just a case of how do we do this properly, not jump into it without thinking actually how you're going to manage it. And then and then it's working out obviously what you want your advantages to be for your customers. Yeah. And once you've got those signed off, it's kind of pretty easy, dare I say, Touchwood. Uh, you, she said that she's going to uh, rebook everybody 100% of every sponsor and exhibitor and speaker and everything and, and ticket holder that you've got on your event. Just, just call Adam's on. words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know one of the one of the most exciting things for me about digital and virtual? And let's call it hybrid because let's be honest with you, there's no, I don't think there's anybody that's going to be a specialist just doing, well, there might be some outliers just doing virtual. There's been lots of specialists just doing physical. But I think what event organizers have is the ability to adapt and change. And they're, they're, they're hungry for new opportunity. They just need to wrap their heads around or something. And then once that's part of it, all of a sudden they've not got an events business. They've got a data and digital and physical business, right? Mm-hmm. One of the more exciting things for me as coming from digital, coming from publishing, digital publishing and, and, and only digital publishing, no, not printing anything, mm. is actually what I'm seeing organizers eyes open to is all the different opportunities that revolve around their data and their, and their, and their, and their, and their network and the people that, they, that trust their brand and the events that they deliver and the brands and sponsors that go into that. They're not focused just on the physical. There's like, oh, well, we can do this opportunity this virtual event this sponsored webinar we could do we could offer retargeting of our visitors we could offer quicker turnaround as well so you know as you've got those people captured from that one virtual event you could be like well you've had such a great experience here in two weeks we've got this other thing do you want to sign up for that now as well and and the the opportunities to 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 capture all that in in short period of time and quicker turnarounds because we're not we've not got a lead up of 12 months before that next event Mm -hmm. you can actually start to break bigger events down into smaller bite-sized chunks and program it that way get huge amounts more have you seen the same or i think it's definitely going that way i think in terms of the long-term effects of what's going on this could be great for the industry for that very reason that people aren't just going to have a flagship event and then disappear for 11 and a half months that event will still take place but alongside that the communities and industries are growing because they're going to have so many things in between digital webinars seminars digital conferences that actually make the industry even stronger and i think that's what's that is what we're going to learn now is that it doesn't have to just focus on one event a year and that be it actually the communities need those regular events whether it's in two weeks or two months and hopefully we'll come out of this saying, okay, we'll still have those flagship events and they're going to be amazing and everyone's going to attend. But actually, why don't we do a digital event a month after? And then a few months after that, we could do a biannual seminar. But there's no reason why we can't. And I definitely think the way it's going now, over the last couple of weeks, particularly whilst everyone's slightly calmed down a bit and we're less frantic and we're less panicky, is that our brands are strong enough in the exhibition industry to really be at the forefront of our industry and it's Mm -hmm. whether you work in coil winding or um, plumbing or fashion or gift you really are the hub of that community and we as exhibition organizers and suppliers can show the community that 
we don't just have to get together once a year we can be in touch regularly there can be digital meets when all of this is over i'm really hoping that we continue with this philosophy that we can keep in touch it's not a bad thing and actually a lot of things can probably grow from this environment that maybe we would have neglected yeah. or not had time to do before now we can really focus on supporting the community and i think this is really going to help with that I, I i totally agree with you and I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on another thing as well I, and i think the reason that virtual has has risen up so quickly let, let's be honest with it is because people have been forced to right their, their hands been forced they can't do what they used to and what they know they're good at and which they know that people will spend money on because there's a physical thing there so that that creates value and now they're going right we need to pivot to, to, to virtual and, and probably one of the re main reasons they've not done that in the past is because other people have been doing it for free which mm -hmm. means the value has somewhat been negated or, or they're not confident themselves that they can sell a digital offering or maybe rebook a digital offering as well and and i see that within circles that i'm within who've got great events great brands and sponsors that that do things physically but then are still cautious over, or maybe don't know the strategy, maybe not confident enough. Mm -hmm. So do you see where, do you see that being somewhere that you guys can get involved in, in that kind of actual, here's a, here's a database of all these people that I think could buy a ticket or could sponsor mm -hmm. my, event, but I'm just not confident. And my sales team are not confident themselves in selling that because they're focused on the, on the face to face. Cause yeah. as well let's be honest with you if you've if you've got a salesperson and there's a couple of extra notes on a physical thing than a digital thing they're probably going to go after the physical more often than not because yeah. it probably means higher remuneration right mm -hmm. or, or or we've got to fill that hole rather than we don't have to necessarily fill all those banners yeah so do you think you guys could get involved in that digital strategy do you think organizers will have kind of two divisions of physical sales and digital sales how do you how do you see it yeah i think i wouldn't be surprised if in a year or so time every exhibition organizer has at least one person whose sole focus is to sell digital sponsorship. I think that's definitely the way it's going. It actually probably was the way it was already going, albeit a bit slower, and this has just accelerated that. I think, as far as I'm concerned, digital sales strategy writing and physical sales strategy writing are very similar. You just need to twink, tw twink? That is not a word. You just it need is to now. Tweak it. <laughs> <laughs> you said it here first, ladies and gents. No, they just need to tweak it to make it work. Um, so absolutely, I think, to be honest, I would imagine that the next few months will involve a lot of digital sales strategy rewriting or even creation. Because like you say, a lot of people haven't done this in the past. It has been shied away from, and I get why. It's the fear, but it's also, they already have a great, product so a lot of people think if it ain't broke why fix it but actually this is a time now for people to really be able to invest in looking at other ways of doing things that don't necessarily fix what's already good but embellish it and make it better so yeah i do think i imagine within a year there'll be a dedicated digital salesperson on every team and if it's not that way then people have kind of missed the point over what we're all learning at the moment i'd say yeah i think i think there's probably a lot of event organizers, conference organizers, brand owners um, that have really been eager to, to actually explore digital, mm. um, lower cost maybe of entry, so no yeah. venue highs, things like that, bigger scope for, 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 for bigger money because you're essentially creating opportunity out of 
pixels maybe mm-hmm. um and they've just not had that that confidence in that strategy and i think possibly not even the time to actually yeah. bring somebody into the business that has that experience selling digitally into a into into a physical world yeah i think it's the time and the resources as well because mm. as we know if you wanted to you could spend endless amounts of time trying to do everything for an annual face-to-face event you could because there's always more things you could be doing and actually it does get to a point where you've got to think i've got to prioritize here what is more important and like you say if there's a few extra zeros on selling stand space then that's the most obvious route but actually like like you said as well there's such lower margins with the digital event side and if you can harness that there's no reason why like like we've said hybrid events or hybrid event organizations can't be the way of the future and it's definitely something I hope to get involved with quite a lot. I think as well, it's slightly generational, dare I say it, in that... You've just offended people, everybody. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get <laughs> But it's generational in that some people who've worked in the events industry for 30 years have done a brilliant job. They really have. But they're less experienced with actually working with these digital platforms just because mm-hmm. some of us have grown up with it. I mean, you're like me, Adam, really. We grew up in Sheffield in the 90s and early noughties and kind of we used to communicate from the age of 11 with our friends via digital platforms in the way that people 20 years prior wouldn't have done. So I think for us, it kind of seems a bit more natural to transition into this particular way of working. Whereas for others who've never, I mean, my mum has only just worked out to do Zoom and for three weeks I've been trying to get her to log in to a call. And so I've had to have her on the phone whilst, um, yeah. So it's been, it's been interesting, but I think, and it's just, it's getting over that fear, like you say, and there's no, need to be scared of change and it, it, it can be terrifying but in a really exhilarating way and now's the time for us to show that the events industry can do it properly. I, I, I absolutely agree I think the events industry are extremely good at bringing people together around a sole subject or thoughts ideas etc and, and actually building extremely strong foundations to do business with right that's in fact, I like to think the events industry is the thread that ties every other industry together because we are a support network for everything. Every industry, as I think you mentioned something about copper wires coiling or something earlier, like that's obviously an industry and there's probably an <laughs> exhibition and event for that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like we underpin everything. Um, mm-hmm. we, are, we, are, we are the foundations of how industry is built upon through exhibitions and events and conferences and, and bringing people together. Um, what's interesting to me though is that as an event organizer you have those people's attention let's say you just do one event like us event tech live you have those people's attentions for two days two days is not a long time at all Mm -hmm. considering i think and i hate to say this i think i've said this on a podcast before i looked at my youtube stats and i spent 44 hours on youtube last month like that's the equipment yeah learning obviously watching ted talks and stuff clearly (laughs) Um, and, and possibly also some food channels and other things. Um, but if you take if you take my attention span of forty four hours, mm-hmm. and, and there's probably lots of me out there, which not necessarily all into YouTube, but let's say on social media, on LinkedIn, on other platforms, on other devices, all digitally. Mm-hmm. Forty four hours is the equivalent of like six days worth of an exhibition. Yeah. So then you times that as an exhibition organizer by, let's say you've got two, 4,000 person event. If you can capture that every month mm-hmm. from those people, or even a portion of that, 10%, all of a sudden you've created digitally what is probably 12 events. Mm-hmm. In my eye. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And you've got the ability to reach people that you would have never reached before um, and for longer and with more relevant content as well, because there's only so much infrastructure you can build at a live event, maybe yes. six theatres at a push. Mm -hmm. And and you're also kind of dragging your audience between the six and no one, there's always sessions that clash. Whereas now we have an opportunity to be able to do 100 sessions a day if we wanted um, and still target as many people as, as we're able to. And it could actually be really, really beneficial and really fruitful in terms of lead generation, in terms of audience reach. Because I bet some, I bet some events that are going to go on in the next few months are going to get reach of hundreds of thousands of people, decision makers, buyers, directors, company owners, who are the ones who hold the budget and they're all attending one event from the comfort of their own home. It's, it's actually quite amazing when you think about it, um, the somebody power said, it can have. Somebody said that to me, somebody said the other day that actually they think it's probably easier to get CEOs and those, those real top level decision makers into a virtual event than it would be even to the biggest event for that sector for that no year, doubt. right? Yeah. yeah, I definitely think that's the case. And I think knowing that they can just come online for an hour and watch some brilliant content that's relevant to them, that's sponsored by an organization they may have heard of, a brand that perhaps they're thinking about partnering with, to just take an hour of their time to do that rather than having to travel across the world and visit a flagship event. We want them to do both. Yeah, and of course. It's a great way that they can. You obviously keep your content relevant, always developing. Every week, it'll be some new topic of conversation. Whereas at the flagship event, it's kind of, this is the event everyone's coming, we're networking. It's about the, those evenings and the morning runs that everyone does to support a charity that's chosen or whatever. And I think, yeah, I'm not surprised at all that um, there'll be more CEOs in a digital platform than elsewhere. Yeah, I think I think digital also offers the ability to bring those really senior people into a room or virtual room mm -hmm. and have a sponsor sponsor that and have their brand associated with that where that just wouldn't have made sense face to face because yeah. of the where those people are located, their time constraints, all this kind of stuff. It would have just been financially unviable. Mm -hmm. But to bring those people into a digital room, the value is there and the sponsor gets huge value. Exactly. And also you could even, you could spice it up a bit. And if everyone, let's say is UK based, if you've got a 99% domestic audience show, get Deliveroo on board, get them to chuck in a few takeaways for everyone. Everyone's got a takeaway. Everyone's having a chat. People will be relaxed. People will be able to actually talk frankly and honestly. I think it could do wonders for, for partnerships to come for decades. What Chloe really means by Deliveroo is... Uh, 12 bottles of wine um so hey jaeger meister is always on the menu <laughs> little bottles of jaeger meister yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other energy drinks are available of course do you do you think this this opens up lots more opportunity in the sense of of growing a brand as well because everybody focuses generally on the on the sales side of things don't they and that's really important but do you think it's also an opportunity to really grow brand and, and one more, actually, I'm going to track back on, we'll come back to that question. But my first question to you is because it's related to the last point is, I don't know whether you know this, but the amount of people or companies that end up dropping off before they get to the actual point of booking a physical event because of logistic issues, travel, staff availability, all that kind of stuff. Do you have any insight into that? Because I would imagine virtual opens up that much, much wider in terms of actually capturing a lot of those people mm -hmm. that would have said no to a physical event. 
I mean, generally speaking, if it's all done internally, we wouldn't really get those figures if they weren't actually going to be able to physically attend the event. But I'm assuming we get a lot of people who even do turn up who have said they almost didn't because the hotels weren't available or because mm. transport because somebody wasn't, like you say, staff, staff member wasn't available and they had to find someone last minute to replace them. Because, it's, yeah, it's not just about them paying for the floor space. It's about them paying for everything else, isn't it? Like you say, the logistics to actually get there. Um, so yeah, it's definitely taken all away with digital events. You don't have to worry about the seven members of staff who need a hotel room. And some one of them likes to be in this side of the city, the other one likes to be on the other. It's not something that would ever come to question with digital events. So that's also yeah. quite nice. Yeah, quite the, a risk, positive spin. the risk as well, I would imagine. And, and possibly if that company is very also, which we hope every is, is sustainability focused. Yeah. then the impact of that travel logistics, stand build, all that kind of stuff may also play into negative decision against the event, not because of anything the event's done. Mm -hmm. It just might be the time of year where it's located, all that kind of stuff and all that kind of things compounds to go, mm, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. Mm, I think there is definitely room here to add a few more revenue streams in terms of what you can actually um speak with your clients about them investing in because where sustainability is becoming so important and so prominent particularly with the events world you may get people who no longer want to invest in lanyards or paper tickets or floor signs or hanging banners because of the sustainability impact whereas now you're offering them something which is 100% eco-friendly you will find particularly with your larger sponsors that people are finding the money to invest in that because it's supporting them ticking that sustainability box mm. whereas before they may not have wanted to invest the money in something that wasn't doing that so it's a positive from that angle as well awesome and then i suppose let's let's round off with some advice then yeah. i'm how would you do this so i'm i'm adam it's my first digital event mm -hmm. I've never sold a digital event, never sold a sponsorship against it. And, and the thought of jumping on those sponsors, if I do get them in the first place, right there and then, and asking them to reinvest in, in what that digital event might look like in, in 12 months. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to anybody listening to this podcast now? How would you go about it? How would you approach it? I think... Put it into a paragraph. Oh, paragraph. Oh, here we go. I'll give it a go. Um, I think... The most important but obvious point is really knowing your product and knowing why it's beneficial to your customer because if you really know that and believe in that then no matter what happens as long as you communicate that point in a way that your customer can understand and relate to you're going to have a positive result whether that's a, actually we can't commit right now but we'd like to talk about it in six months or somebody saying we'd like to commit right now you need to put the customer at the heart of your business and that is with the way you communicate to them with the way you address what their business objectives are and with the way that you understand your own product and how it benefits them if you do all of those three together then you're going to be a great salesperson and you're going to be a great professional and you're going to get the results that you're looking for it's not about smiling and dialing anymore it's about really getting to know your customers and being able to deliver a solution that works for them there is no need to be scared you just need to know what it is you're selling and why it works and if you can convince yourself that it's a good product then you can convince anybody else that it's a good product i that. think that's really good advice yeah and and my advice to anybody listening to this podcast would be to engage with individuals like yourself um commit contract them invest in them invest in you bringing that strategy to us 
And, and in my business, there's, there's two of us that are business owners. So we're, we're very strong personalities, both of us. And, and we both have our different ways of selling and strategy and, and what we think is customer service and what's not, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been really good as well from, from our own experience is, is having a third person there to go, well, I actually think that that's right. Or no, actually, that's probably not the best way to do it. Or, or, or here's a bit of a, a way of thinking it that's kind of like both things, but not one an individual. So for me, if you've not done a virtual event before, but you do want to capitalize on that time there with those people and, and get as much of that investment back into the pot committed for the following event, then I think investing in somebody like yourself, Chloe, mm-hmm. and, and that knowledge and that checkpoint and that sound of reason and all that kind of stuff. And, and also the experience of what, like hundreds and hundreds of other events and stuff yeah. that all do it differently. Like that's, that's worth a lot of, that, mm. that saves me years on time on figuring all that out and making all those mistakes myself. So for anybody listening to this, that's kind of thinking about a virtual strategy and thinking about revenue and, and sponsorship and how do I approach it and how do I rebook it and, and how do I show value and how do I get my team on board to go, well, we're really behind selling this banner. Mm. Um, like I think actually, you know, speaking to a company like you're a consultant like yourself, I think pays real dividends I, w- I will say that myself and this is not a paid for podcast I promise everybody yeah. listening to this now it's it's genuine I saw Chloe post on LinkedIn about what she was up to and I thought people in my network need to hear about this so yeah and it's and it's also just from a personal note everybody knows I'm more than happy to help anyone if it's just a bit of advice I won't charge for advice it's just a case of I want us all to get through this and I really think that we can all get through this and we really need to use digital events to maximize and capitalize on what they offer and how we can help our customers with them. And so if somebody's in a bit confused about which way they should go next, just drop me, drop me an email, send me a text and we can have a chat. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a reasonable Yorkshire lass. I just want everyone to be okay at the end of this. So you just, you just have to pay in Henderson's relish. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, you have to Google it and look it up. And it has to be the blue and white label. Absolutely. From the right side of town. Mm-hmm. Um, Chloe, but, you mentioned reaching out to you, but what, where, where can they get you? Where can they get hold of you? How do they email you? Where, do you, where are you on social media, et cetera? Yeah, okay. So if you just go on Chloe Richardson on LinkedIn, you will see me pop up. I've also got Chloe, C-H-L-O-E, at asiaevents.co.uk. That's A-C-I-E-R events. And in case anyone's wondering, a lot of people ask me what Asia means. It's steel in French, as in the steel city, as in up the owls. So that's where that comes from. And if you want to drop me a WhatsApp message, then it's 077-92-427890. Easy peasy. Chloe, I thank you very much for coming on and speaking to me today about how your business has changed and your pivot. And I think you've offered some amazing advice there on on kind of strategy around digital and virtual. Um, And once we are back to face to face, I would love to have you back on again to talk a little bit more in depth about the value of that actually happening on site because it probably works slightly differently. Uh, I know that for a fact. Um, Chloe, thank you very much for for joining me and um, hopefully we'll speak soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We'll talk later. Mm